This is episode 631 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, I visit with author Michael Bunker. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website, so you know you can trust it. Other benefits include members-only video and periodic webinars. This is a great value for $20 a year. For more information, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. This has been a very special week. This week I went back to five days a week or five episodes a week uh, like I used to do when I first started the podcast. Um, It's been special because my school district, my job, we were shut down and so we weren't working. I thought I'd be productive and be able to uh, do some more episodes. I don't believe I'm going to be able to keep this up but this week has been so awesome. And so I'm really excited about this uh, episode. You are going to love it. It's an interview with Michael Bunker. He is an author. He's also a blogger. He is on social media. He's got a lot of great things to say. Um, he's, uh, I'm, I'm, this is my own title, a self-reliant philosopher. You're just going to really love this interview. And so uh, I, I'm, I know you're going to love it. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up. I'm going to go ahead and get right into this episode because uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Michael Bunker. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the Prepper Website Podcast and uh, talking to us a little bit about being self-reliant. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's good to finally get to meet you. We've kind of talked uh, through the internet for years and years. We, we have, and I've loved reading your, uh, your blog at one point. Uh, and then you, st- you stopped the, the blog, man. There was a time where you had some articles out there, and I was going back to reference them. Uh, I, I think about uh, the election and voting and stuff like that, and I couldn't find them. You did a, a, a total remake of your blog, and you're focusing more on, on your books and things like that. But uh, I love what you're doing and what you're putting out out there. Uh, you, you just put out some really great stuff. Well, yeah, I appreciate it, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm very familiar with you. We've talked through the internet. Uh, I've shared out your, your articles. I've read your books and I've reviewed uh, you know, some of your books. But uh, those that are not familiar with you, uh, we have a lot of people coming to the podcast now. Uh, a lot of new people coming to the, to the podcast that aren't familiar with uh, preparedness in, in general, but they're, they're looking for more information in the time that we're in right now. So tell us a little bit about yourself and especially how that relates to self-reliant living. Okay. Well, um, you know, I lived, uh, pretty much just like everybody else, uh, a long, long time ago. <laughs> it's about 1998. Um, uh, 97, actually, my wife and I, uh, got a little, uh, five acre, on-grid farm in West Texas and uh, started, uh, we knew nothing, nothing like less than nothing. We had never had a chicken. We didn't know, we didn't know uh, anything. And so we started then that was, of course, the internet was out then, but there wasn't a whole bunch of 
there was nothing on it actually. Uh, and so we got the encyclopedia of country living was our, was our book. And we started off with chickens and goats and cows. And we went through all that. And about uh, 2005, we had the opportunity to move out here to central Texas and we talked about it and we said, okay, uh, uh, what we want to do is we want to go completely off grid. I mean, completely off grid. And so we started off uh, on the land here with just a tent in 2005, uh, 10 by 12 or 10 by 14, something like that, ten, uh, army tent. And then we moved into a small 10 by 16 wooden box that we called a cabin. And we started the uh, farming. We uh, completely off grid, no electricity. We didn't have um, any backup power, we n nothing like that. We didn't build an alternative grid. And uh, back, back then I had websites and, and things like that. And so um, we would drive to town, go to the library and, and do all the work, answer emails. And we didn't get a smartphone until probably 2007 or 8. In 2009, I uh, started writing a book on my blog called Surviving Off-Off Grid. And I just put out chapters one at a time. And just thinking that my couple of hundred uh, uh, readers would read it and um, it got picked up by offgrid.net and quite a few other people and it really kind of went berserk and so we ended up publishing it in 2011 it immediately went to number top 25 on all of amazon.com and basically it was not a how-to live off-grid book but a philosophy about why things like that are going on right now can happen and what happened with Rome and what happened with Greece and how these civilizations have all collapsed because of the same things that we're doing now. And, uh, and, and the book did really well. So then in 2011, I started, we were sitting around and, and a lot of people were saying, well, I can't imagine a scenario ever happening where any of this would be necessary. And so I actually wrote a book in 2011 that was a fiction book called The Last Pilgrims which basically portrayed a people living 20 years after a, a, a global collapse. And then it that took off. I, I, I got a fiction writing career along with the nonfiction. And so it's just kind of evolved since then. But for the most part, back to your question, um, we've lived uh, in our ca a cottage and farm completely off grid for 15 years. Here at my office, I have some minimal uh, solar power just enough to charge a laptop right now i'm running the internet off of my a little goal zero yeti power box that's powered by solar during the day and i've got a smartphone that i charge but we don't use uh, uh power at all and haven't for for 15 years uh on the farm or the household wow okay so being someone who lived uh just like everyone else everyone who's listening to this podcast and then deciding to live that way, making that that move. Can you tell us why? Why would you do that? It was a process. In 1998, which was about a year after we moved out, to, first of all, we moved to a little farm just because we had lived in Dallas-Fort Worth. We had lived in Lubbock, which is a smaller city, and it still wasn't small enough. And we decided that we just wanted to go try a little farm life. It was just kind of a an inkling we had. 1998, I was still working a, a, a job, sales job. I was traveling through New Mexico and uh, pulled up to the pumps in the middle of the desert. And there was a long line at the pumps. Had no idea what was going on. I had to get gas. I wasn't even going to get to the next town. 
And I got out and we were talking with other people who were waiting and it turned out that the, there had been a massive power outage and uh, that they didn't know when the power was going to come back up. And it was the first time it ever occurred to me that gas pumps were on electricity. And so I, I remember just for the rest of that trip thinking about it and then looking around and it was, it was almost like the whole world changed for me. And uh, it started off there and my wife and I, would we had uh, four small children, three at the time. And we, we were just sit around and going, well, what, what would we do if something happened? What would we do if the power went out? This was long before any of the, the kind of the, the prepper movement became a big thing. And so uh, this was before we'd ever even heard of Y2K or anything else like that. And so we, um, we actually went and turned the power off uh, to our, uh, we had a, a, a mobile home and just for a couple of days, just, and it was just, it was mind blowing how dependent we were on, I mean, every single thing that we did. And so we kind of uh, talking, we thought, you know, we're kind of like just cogs. We're very specialist cogs in a big wheel. And, um, and it started with then. And then as we started to get animals, chickens, goats, and all that, um, we would say, okay, if tomorrow we couldn't go to the store, what would we do? How would we feed these animals? And so we would start uh, food plots, you know, and mm -hmm. it started gardens. And, and we started uh, what I call the bunker principle, which is um, having layers or redundancy. So if we don't have power, what do we do next? If we, if, uh, what's the next way we could do it? And have it at least three ways to do everything. And then when, when, when the opportunity came to, to move out here, and to live this way, basically like the Amish, not 100% like the Amish, then we jumped at it. Wow. Okay. So, man, that's that's a great story. Um, do you ever regret it? You re regret it, you know, maybe doing things a little differently? Oh, I always, I, you always think there's things you could do differently, but uh, I don't regret it. I mean, my children were raised this way, and right now I'm seeing them completely uh, you know, uh, in charge, they're doing things. They, uh, uh, my, my son is here with me, but my other daughter, one of my daughters is up in Arkansas. They live off grid. They're completely grounded and they know what they're doing. Um, she's actually, uh, she made me, I'm very well pleased with all of my children and how they're handling all of this because they were raised this way. They, they, there's no shock. You know, they, they've done everything from, uh, making cheese from milk, from milking a cow, all the way to making sausage, to hunting, to butchering. There's nothing from a 17th, 18th century farm that they haven't done and, and done things like this their whole lives. Wow. Well, and I know your oldest daughter, she writes. Uh, I see uh, her blog come through every so often. So she puts out some really great stuff Yeah, uh, out there. So what is, you know, sometimes I think people have this fantasy of, starting their homestead, you know, going out there and, uh, and, and doing it and, and living this life. Can you tell us what a typical day looks like for you? Can you walk us through a typical day? Yeah, what I'm going to have to do is give you two typical days because right now my life is not at all typical. And that's just because I have to tell a very quick story. 2014, I released a book called Pennsylvania, <clears throat> which was a fiction book. Uh, and it, in 2015, we sold a film option to Hollywood. And um, so uh, that process was moving very slowly. So we just lived like we've always lived. About a year ago, right about this time, it really started picking up steam. 
which just happened to coincide. 2020 was our already was a planned uh, land Sabbath. We had our first land Sabbath in 2013, and that's just a time to let the land sit, uh, rejuvenate the soil, and all of that. So um, it, it started picking up. We got a director for the movie. Uh, last year, Patrick Totopoulos, who did uh, Man of Steel, and uh, he was the uh, production dire- director for some of the m- biggest blockbuster movies there are out there. And um, so it, it, it's basically right now, I'm doing a lot of different things that I would not normally be doing because I actually have an opportunity. It's not been guaranteed to be in the movie. So I'm actually going through an entire workout thing right now to to prepare myself for that everything's been delayed for a month or two, but so let me tell you what a day would normally be like, because right now, like I said, it's not, we don't have gardens right now. Uh, we have animals where I get up and take care of the animals, but on a normal, um, uh, year, <laughs> we, I, I like right now, let me tell you what I do right now. I get up at three thirty in the morning, every morning I uh, come down to my office and I pray. Then I do a workout. I walk a lot. I pick up my wife up at the cottage at 7 a.m. We do uh, a, a long walk, and then uh, we take care of our chores, take care of the animals, water and feeding, any other uh, things that need to be, since we're not, normally we would be heavily watering gardens or, or planting during this season. So this, uh, what I do now is I basically do a lot of workouts during the day. Um, so I see you got your Captain America shirt on. That's kind of transformation that I'm kind of going through at age 53. So, but no, I, I did I did see uh, you did post a picture of uh, some pants that you were wearing, and man, you you've dropped a lot of weight. Yeah, I've uh, since since I first started losing weight, I've dropped about 70 wow or 74 pounds since January 1st. I've dropped uh, almost 40. Wow. And, uh, but then I, there's going to be a lot of muscle building too, because the, the only thing I know about the character, although it's, it's a character in my own book is that he is heavily, heavily muscled. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at myself and I said, I got a lot of work to do if I want to, and they haven't offered me the part, but they have offered that they would like if it's possible to get me in the movie. So, so I'm working on that, but uh, at the same time, we're still running the farm. We're just, we're just not, we don't have anything planted uh, so much right now. Uh, now there, that raises other questions, but normally what I would do is I get up in the morning. I do, you know, a lot of chores. People have a very, very, uh, fantastical idea of what this kind of life would be like, kind of this, uh, uh, little house on the prairie kind of idea of things. Uh, it's really a lot of work. It's, uh, for us because we live, uh, off, off grid or beyond off grid. Uh, with no air conditioning, no heating, no regular, you know, electric central heating. A lot of our day is managing things. And so I get up in the morning. I, uh, we have a, uh, we have three levels as the bunker principal. We have a wood burning stove. We have a propane stove and I can um, uh, cook outside on a grill with regular uh, wood. And I get up and whatever the necessary way is, I make coffee my wife uh, gets up at seven o'clock. We take a walk and then she starts in, uh, cooking. We have a lot of prepared food or preserved food uh, that we can eat uh, and that's that sort of thing. So every day is different, but it is a challenge and it's certainly not for the faint of heart. Wow. Okay. So you just, it's so hard to imagine being in Texas, central Texas, uh, without any central air and heat or, you know, the AC running, 
man, I don't, I don't know how you do it. How, how do you survive in the, the heat of the day? What do you, what do you do for that? Well, um, it's, uh, a lot of it's, you know, you become accustomed to the fact that you're experiencing the seasons and you're experiencing those things, but you know, we get out of the heat. We certainly get in the shade. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of, I've, I've put quite a few uh, videos up on my YouTube channel about staying cool. Uh, we've got a cistern. We, uh, we provide and uh, make our own cool drinks, uh, that we can drop down in the cistern to keep cool. I've got a root cellar that even in the middle of the summer stays in the low seventies. So we can go down there and cool off if we really, really need some air conditioning. Uh, but, uh, a lot of it is just management. You just, you learn how to manage it. And so, um, we also learn to deal with it. So I, I'm more comfortable, you know, at a warmer temperature than a lot of people are. And then and during the winter, you know, we've got a wood burning stove. That doesn't mean we run it all the time. So we, you know, we dress heavily and we have a lot of covers. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I just, I had an idea. So you're so used to living like that. When you go somewhere else, do you, do you have an adjustment period or is there, is there an issue when you, because I know I, I remember seeing pictures on Facebook about you know visiting your, your parents or visiting family and and uh, I know that when you were looking you know and you were doing discuss, had discussions with uh, the director and all that kind of stuff uh, you were visiting and you were in a hotel and stuff is, is there a big difference for you do you have to adjust Yeah, it, 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 there's an adjustment, but there's there's also kind of like um, you know you it's enjoyable. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I love I, to you. You walk into a store after you've been hot for three or four days straight and it's, uh, you know, uh, 68 degrees or whatever they got the air conditioner at or, um, but it's also very tempting. And, uh, and so I start to, you know, you, your mind kind of starts this little battle about I'm, I'm enjoying this. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not, this is not sin, but it is, is something that, uh, is very tempting. It's very tempting to give up a lot of the gains that we've had and the things that we've benefited from to want this all the time. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm always glad to, to experience it. I'm glad to visit with friends. I'm glad to go stay with my parents or, or like you said, you know, we, we, we got to go out to Hollywood and we stayed in a hotel or it's actually an apartment, you know, a block off of uh, Hollywood Boulevard. And it was very nice, but when I leave, I'm always happy too. I'm just as happy to leave it just because I realize that how tempting it all is very much like Pilgrim's progress. You know, you, I just feel like sometimes I'm like, Oh man, this would be so great to do this all the time. But you know, I I'm, I'm used to it out here. Gotcha. All right. Well, you've, you've talked a lot about, you know, not you're being off off grid. First of all, can you, can you explain that? What, I mean, people know what off grid means, but what does off off grid mean? The word off-grid is so broad that it's hard to to uh, to really know what somebody's saying because Bill Gates is off-grid. I mean, there's a lot of very very uh, rich, wealthy Hollywood people who live off-grid. They've just it's just kind of a no different lifestyle. They've just built an alternative grid that's not particularly sustainable over a long period of time. But they're not really on grid. And so, what we mean by off-off-grid or beyond off-grid is that um, we basically don't provide an alternative grid system. We actually live more primitively. And so we, uh, we rely on uh, a lot more planning. You know, uh, people think that that's tremendously backwards, but it's not backwards at all. In fact, if you, if you study 
you know, the, the French in the 1700s of Versailles or something like that. And you see these people in these beauty, you know, people kind of idealize those ages. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have uh, central heating or any of those things. Uh, if you look back at, you know, the antebellum mansions in the South and you see people and they're dressed in these woolen suits and all those things, uh, they weren't uh, stupid. They actually had built their houses so that they stayed cooler and, and, and it, it wasn't a, a, a completely like a primitive living in a cave. But um, at the same time, you know, um, we, we've, uh, we've learned a lot of the things that you need to do to, to live this way. And a lot of it's just um, really, really kind of old wisdom. And in some ways, it's a lot better. But like I said, the, uh, we, we, we don't completely eschew all technology we use technology everybody does the Amish use technology uh, a screwdriver is a technology a frying pan is technology everybody also limits what technology they use so I'm sure that most of your uh, listeners are not going to run out and get a microchip that tells them when they're going to what they can do and all those things so they, everybody draws a line maybe you don't have a sonic toothbrush or something uh, we just have drawn our line a little bit farther back okay gotcha all right so you did say Amish just uh, just a few minutes ago, and some people that if they saw your picture and maybe saw a family picture, they would confuse you or mistake you for Amish people. But you know that. Uh, but you do. You just you said you use computers, of course, because you are writing books and uh, you are on social media. You're on YouTube and different things like that. So what are the, what are the differences between the way that you're living and the way the Amish might be living? Okay, so as far as the structure of the the life, there's not all that much difference. As far as you know, uh, you know, we 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 pump our water. We have a sink just like everybody else does, but we have a hand pump on there, so we don't have in, in, uh, indoor plumbing and uh, and all of those things. But uh, uh, what's different than that is we kind of we don't have a very strict ordnung, which is a community uh, ban against um, uh, all technology. Uh, the Amish don't either. I mean, sometimes some Amish, every Amish community is different. Some Amish communities allow like the use of a cell phone, but it can't be in the house. It's got to be out in a box out, or, or, a, or a telephone box out on the road. <laughs> some, you know, some of them, and there are reasons for all that, but uh, you know, some of them will not use a diesel generator. Some of them will. You know, some communities uh, you can, uh, you know, ride in cars, but you can't own one. So uh, what we've basically done is we've just said, okay, our basic principle is that we want to be able to do everything that we need to do without being hooked to the grid. We don't want to be dependent on it. Once we learn how to do that, so I'll give you an example. We dug a, uh, when we very first moved out here, we knew we had to have a root cellar, 104 degrees during the summer. You know, you got to have a root cellar. And we dug down about four feet and we hit a, 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 a slab of rock that was, uh, you know, six or eight inches thick. And so we had to make a decision. Do we go get a backhoe or do we just dig this thing out? And so I told everybody, listen, the first one we wanted, we're going to do it by hand. We're going to figure out what is because the first people that came out here, they didn't have a backhoe. And the first thing anybody did when they moved to central Texas is they put in a root cellar. And so we, uh, we dug it out. We, we took rock breakers and sledgehammers and all of this. And we, we broke, broke it out. We dug the thing 11 feet deep, 11 feet wide, um, and by hand. And we built that thing. Now, after that, 
We know how to do it. We know we can do it. There's not the mental block. Most people have a mental block that stops them from doing something. They'll say, well, it's impossible. It's not impossible. People have done this stuff for thousands and thousands of years. So when we um, dug our cistern hole, we actually got a backhoe, you know. So that's kind of where the difference is. We don't ban it because we think it's, um, it, it's particularly harmful. What we do is we say, okay, first let's learn how to do without it. Let's don't ever forget. And not only that, but orthopraxy. We want to be good at it. We want to be able to do it on the, the drop of a, a hat. And, uh, and, but then after that, if we want to use, so I, I have a power drill with a, you know, Ryobi battery that I can use, but, um, and I charge it on the solar pattern if I need it, but I also know how to build things without it. I know how to build things with hand tools. Wow. All right. You're, you're like, uh, the self-reliant philosopher, right? So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about on your journey. What, what have you learned about living self more self-reliant? I've I've learned really that um, mankind as a whole is on a path, and that path has been from uh, reliance, God reliance, and and reliance on uh, intellect and physical labor and these God honoring things, and and just as a whole. I'm not talking about any individuals. Mankind has become more and more specialized, more and more kind of like a, a hive. Uh, uh, kind of reality where everybody is very specialized and they do a very specialized job, but they don't produce anything. And so what's happened is these large um, entities produce and individuals no longer are able to. And uh, there's benefits to that that are very tangible, but temporary benefits. And then there's also huge uh, downside. And the downside we're seeing right now, and that is with just-in-time delivery of goods and services that can be interrupted, Everybody is dependent, and so they turn to government or they turn to some other uh, idol to beg for provision rather than having the skills to be able to do. One thing I admire about the Amish, so there's a lot of things I disagree with them on, but one thing I admire about the Amish and the plain people in general is that they have the ability to, if everybody else died, if everybody else went away, if the system went away, if the, they would make it. Uh, because they have the they have the knowledge and the ability and the skill and the want to and the drive and the determination to uh, to uh, maintain their witness as a people, and so I admire that about them. Great, you know, you talked a little bit about layers here in your philosophy. Do you have that written down anywhere? That yeah, actually, uh, I have a um, uh, a video that I just put up uh, probably last week on my YouTube channel. People can find it youtube.com forward slash bunk dad, or just do a search on Michael bunker. Uh, it's called the bunker principle. And so if you just search that on YouTube, you can find it where I actually lay out that whole, uh, that whole, uh, philosophy. I'm, I'm working on a second edition of surviving off off grid next year is going to be the 10 year anniversary of the first one. And in that I'll lay out the bunker principle and, and, and very easily stated, that is that you have at least three ways. You have the highly technical way to do something, then you have an off-grid way to do it, which could be uh, solar power, it could be uh, propane, it could be something like that, and then you have the off-off-grid or beyond off-grid way to do it, which is bushcrafting, learning how to cook on a fire, learning how to plant things with your hands. We have planted entire crops of wheat, harvested it by hand, winnowed it by hand, threshed it by hand, all of that, and made bread. And that is a 
fantastic feeling when you're eating bread and eggs and meat and everything for breakfast and not one thing was bought at a store or even the, 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 the parts didn't come from, we didn't assemble it. And, and that's really kind of the philosophy is have the ability to do some of these things. Everybody doesn't have to live like I live. I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to move off grid or, or, but just know, just learn things, learn how to do these things so that you're not completely dependent on government or someone else to, uh, to take care of you. Awesome. Well, okay. So you're right. There, there's a lot of people that would love to try to maybe do what you do and they love the idea of it. They couldn't do it for whatever reason. Maybe they're not willing to give up AC or, or whatever right. the conveniences of life, but definitely there are people that are listening to this and just like you said, in the season that we're in with uh, the way things are in, in our society right now, that they're starting to realize that we are dependent on too many things, just um, pharmaceuticals, medical, uh, we're, we're dependent on China, right? And, and all, the, all the other things that, that are out there. How can we start, or those that are listening, can you talk to us a little bit about what can we do to start our journey on being a little bit more self-reliant and maybe not completely moving off, off grid, but, but uh, what would you suggest? What, what are some things that we could do? The, the most important thing is that we have to get our head into it first. And I, and I totally, completely want everybody to know the disclaimer is I, I'm not saying that everybody has to do this. I know that everybody's on a spectrum. Some people don't have the physical ability, the financial, but we started with nothing, with no money and still have no money. So we've, uh, we've been able to do that. But I don't expect everybody to do this or to live this way. But how you start is you have to know the truth about the system as it exists. And so my book, Surviving Off Off Grid, is basically a philosophy book that says, okay, let me teach you about history. And we go through the history of civilizations, the pattern that they take, what things make them uh, uh, susceptible to systemic collapse, and then we compare those things with what's going on in the world today. And then uh, once you know the philosophy of it, and that is that um, we are all dependent. We're dependent at different levels, but we're all dependent on certain things. Then you can start doing things just like I started doing, which is like, just start simple. Um, no coffee. Uh, you know, if you've been making your, your, uh, your coffee with a coffee maker and all of a sudden, what if I didn't have a coffee maker? Maybe you get a percolator. Maybe, you, okay, well, how would I provide the heat underneath that if, if my electric range doesn't work? or if my gas doesn't work, do I have an alternative way? Can I cook it on my grill outside? See, all of a sudden now you've got an off-grid solution, even if it's a propane grill, or if you have a, maybe I need to get a charcoal grill where I can burn some wood, some sticks, and I can make, and making coffee is just a, an example. Mm -hmm. you know. But every single thing in your life, you could just ask yourself, okay, how would I do this? What, how important is this in my, in my system you know, and, and then look around at your loved ones and say, okay, how would I do these things? How would I take, my, my philosophy has always been that I would rather stabilize my area and be able to provide for my neighbors than to be one of the people that scoffs, memes, jokes, and then as soon as something really bad, and I think we could be seeing some really, really bad things happening pretty soon. Uh, runs and is just another person in line, another mouth to feed, another uh, problem. And so I think, you know, for me, that's something that I just looked at and said, okay, what, what can I do? And I think everybody can do that at a different level. 
but there has to be some really, really big bulwarks in the mind that have to be ripped out. And that's what my book does is it really says, you think this thing and that thing is wrong. <laughs> that thing is not true. That thing is not, you know, people think solar panels are a sustainable way to provide electricity indefinitely. And they aren't, you know, we are, you're, you're, you're subject to batteries, you're subject to uh, things breaking down. Um, batteries don't last forever. All of these things just give you X. And I love uh, preppers. I've been a prepper. I've kind of moved past that, but I still am of the, of the, the tribe. And, uh, but I always tell people, you think you have five years supply of food put away. You have three years, you have two years, you have 90 days. Those numbers are not accurate. Uh, especially uh, you know, that's a Ceteris Paribus situation where as long as nothing changes, but things will change, you're not going to, uh, you know, throw your grandmother out and not feed her when she shows up. And and the other thing is, is that those things never go as, um, as far as you think they're going to go. So you have X days. You In my book, I talk about this. You've added X days to your own personal apocalypse. And um, if we, if you don't have skills, I would, I tell people this all the time. I would give up every preparation item I have. I'd give up my whole root cellar, all my animals and everything to know what I know. Because if I know what I know, then none of us are guaranteed survival, but I'm going to be better off than most people. And so if I had to have all the stuff or if I had to have the things that I know, I would take the things that I know. And so just, uh, you have to start knowing more And this. My book is really designed to help you start on that path. Well, and that's that's great. I always talk to people about, and I think in the preparedness community, we we say that we don't major on the gear, right? You gotta you gotta look at the skills, and you gotta think about the skills that you're getting. You gotta be learning. I, I think I just recently in a, in a podcast, I just even said that again recently about uh, learning skills. I mean, in the day and age that we live in, there are so many opportunities to learn a skill. You don't even you don't even have to leave your home, uh, and especially exactly. yeah, especially now with with people hunkering down in their homes um, with YouTube. It's it's pretty amazing. I mean, again, YouTube is a social media and the whole deal, and they're owned by Google and all that kind of junk. But I have used that many times to fix things myself here here at the house. You know, like a just a, a garbage disposal, and it should have been a, just a really quick, easy you know twist and and drop it, and you go. But my garbage disposal wasn't like that. But I was right. able to, to look it up on YouTube, and I was able to figure out how to do it. And, yeah, that takes you to another level. We're at uh, – let me ask you this question. How did we get here? How did we get to this point where we, we have generations now that are so dependent on I can't, I can't grab a, a tool and, and go fix something. I've got to you know, call somebody out um, you know, or just let me live with this broken thing or let me just go buy a new one right how, how do well, we get here well it's 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 there's a there's a power and a force in human uh movement that happens and that human movement has always been towards comfort and um apathy and affluence and uh, uh and then the systems that support that actually amplify it and so store uh ford doesn't want you to be able to fix your truck you know, the companies that they don't want you to be able to fix things. And so generally every tendency is to separate you from the means of production or the means of repair or the means of, of, of reliance, every system. And even these systems that are mindless are designed so that there's, you know, you can just operate it with your voice now and everything, you know, your, your Tide pods get delivered for your children to eat or whatever, 
you need. And so um, the, the whole, there, there's a momentum to the world system that, uh, that moves and every generation is more and more dependent until there's a step back, which we could be seeing. And there has been a lot of step backs in history. Um, and so sometimes there's a step back and that step back says, okay, maybe we should start reconsidering some of these things. You know, globalism needs to be completely uh, reconsidered. It's, it's been an abject failure and it's caused what we're seeing that's going on around us. But all of these things uh, are, are part of a mindless, um, I know there's, uh, I, I, I'm not a, uh, a coincidence theorist. I believe there are people that want this stuff and they move stuff in that direction. But even without them, the system moves that way because of human uh, human desire for comfort and affluence and, um, and, and those things. And so uh, you, you just have to recognize that that's what it is. And uh, I say in the book, there has to be a force applied to separate from it. Not that you have to separate completely and go live in a, in, in a cave eating maggots, but just to separate enough that you can see it. You can't even see it while you're in it. And uh, it's like the matrix, you know, you get out of it, you can start seeing it. And some people are going to go, no, I kind of like it the way it is. And that's fine with me, you know, uh, it, but some people see it and they go, oh, wow. You know, and, and this is something I've been preaching uh, for 20 years. And I know you've, you've led a lot of people uh, into some level of independence just through the stuff that you do and through your website. I know you talk about YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is a, is a, is a golden vault of stuff where I just, I have a whole series called how we do stuff. So people go, well, how do you, how do you stay cool in the summer? There's a video for that, you know, but, but you've been doing this for a long time too. And I, and, and I turn there a lot of times and there's stuff I haven't even thought of. I've been doing this 20 years and almost every day there's something on there that I haven't, haven't thought of. And I'm like, well, this is kind of the opposite of the world mind. This is like a independence mind that, that, people can add stuff to and you can go, wow, what a, what a gold mine. Yeah. Well, I, I can't really take credit for that. I just get to uh, link articles and uh, <laughs> put them, put them up on prepper website. But uh, there's a lot of great people out there doing a lot of great work, like, like what you're doing. And uh, it, it really makes the community so much stronger because right. there's just so many voices out there and so many ideas. And really that that's what we need. Hey, uh, in, in the preparedness community, some people believe that uh, homesteading is like that's the ultimate form of preparedness, right? That's the ultimate preparedness move. Um, is it realistic, though, that someone can manage a farm and all that goes into it, producing all their food and, and you know, have their animals, but also keep a job and their modern conveniences? Um, you know, there's people out there that, that contact me and they're, they're trying to move that way and they're making moves that way. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, there's a chapter in my book about that. And, uh, what, basically what I do is I go through and explain the different levels. In fact, you ran an article of mine that I wrote a couple of years ago called five steps of prepper survival maturity. And, uh, uh it, what you've just described is the most expensive and the uh, way to do this and the least likely to succeed. And the reason why is because um, you're really managing two full lives. And I'm not saying it can't be done, but there, there's going to be a sliding scale of what you're able to do. And people that try to do this and try to work a full job, you realize 
you're, you're okay. One of the things that is makes it very, very difficult to maintain a homestead is animal feed. Animals are such an important part of the homestead, not only for food, but they also work the soil. They do a lot of, uh, uh, very, very valuable things. And so everybody needs to have chickens, you know, and, and, and other animals. Well, if you're buying all of that feed from the store, when we first moved out here in 2005, you could get a bag of hen scratch, for example, for um, a little over $4. I think it was about $4. And now, you know, it can be $9, 10 11 $12. And um, so what we started doing way back years ago was we could actually take the hen scratch that we bought at the store and we would plant it and let it grow. And then we would let turn the chickens into it. And, uh, but you learn things like that, but it's very, very difficult when you're paying that much for feed, for expenses, for medicines, whatever you need. Um, and, and what happens in my book really goes into detail because people can't really see it is that you end up doing debt maintenance, debt service. Um, you're, you're, you're stretched way too thin. So, uh, I'm not I'm not trying to dissuade anybody from doing it. Some people are successful doing it, but really you're going to have to scale back what you're capable of doing as far as trying to feed, feed yourself completely from the land. Uh, uh, there's a whole sermon here on the dollar economy and how the dollar economy bleeds off our productive capability, which they're doing right now, by the way. Uh, so the dollars that you have in your wallet are worth, worth less every day. And if they start giving everybody money and we have all these uh, trillion dollar buyouts for bankers, uh, that takes your dollar that you already earned. That's the hours and minutes and seconds of your life. And it shrinks it and it shrinks it and it shrinks it. And so you're fighting the dollar economy economy while you're trying to serve it. And then over here, you're trying to, uh, I, I encourage people do whatever you can do what you can. If you can grow a garden right now is a great time to plant a garden. If you can have a few chickens and get some eggs, uh, you, you're not doing it to make money so much as you are to just if something like uh, if a month from now, I think things are going to very likely could be a whole lot worse than they are now. Uh, anything that you can do, you're going to be so thankful for if something like that ever, uh, ever happens. You know, you, uh, you brought up what's kind of going on right now a little bit. Can you, um, can you talk to us just some thoughts? I don't have a specific question, just what you're seeing out there. Um, you're paying attention, you know, what's going right. on. Um, just, what do you see? I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on what's happening right now? Everything that's been going on, uh, since January has been very predictable. And, um, and the, even, even the run on toilet paper, uh, and there were a lot of people online screaming and cursing people and talking about how stupid people are. And really, uh, the, the people who are surprised by this or surprised by human behavior are the ones that are really a little bit limited intellectually because this is all very, very uh, predictable. Now, I didn't run out and buy toilet paper. I don't need toilet paper. There's a dozen ways to do things without uh, buying a consumer product to, uh, to do it. But I'm not mad at people that do it. I think if it's your money, you earned it. It belongs to you. If you want to exchange it for toilet paper, that's great. Uh, I, I want to educate people as much as possible, but to be mad at people and to be reacting somehow that when somebody buys something, they're taking it from you or they're taking it from somebody else. That's just really, uh, I call that, it's like crypto socialism really to me. And so I've just tried to encourage people to think, uh, it is a reasonable act for people who are in, I'm going to use the term ignorant, but I'm not using it as a pejorative. Um, ignorant just means you don't know something. It is reasonable for people who 
don't know anything about preparedness, don't know anything about survival, who are sitting in front of a TV where they're telling them hour after hour after hour that this is this is going to be so bad. And then they're, every five minutes, they're like, people are buying toilet paper to go out and buy toilet paper. That's a reasonable act because that's what they know. The okay. first thing that goes through their mind is, what would I not want to live without? See, as a prepper, we think of, what is the thing that is most likely to benefit my family and to benefit my situation, stabilize my situation in this moment? Well, someone that doesn't know to ask that question says, what would I not like to live without? And so the first thing, the first thing, if I went and this had never happened, if I sent out a questionnaire to everybody that follows me on Facebook or whatever and said, what is the one thing you, and 99% would be toilet paper. <laughs> and so and we only use toilet paper in this society since 1857. I mean, people used paper and things like that before, but toilet paper is a fairly new uh, industrial produced toilet paper is a fairly new invention, but that's what way people think. So I think it's a little bit silly for people to be banging their head against the wall, expecting people to not act like humans when it's very predictable to go to your question about what I've seen is I think that, um, there's a lot of people screaming about other people overreacting to me as a whole. We're underreacting because, um, the, the basic, I'm not a, I'm not a pessimist. I, you know, I'm at all. In fact, I'm, I'm probably overly optimistic quite often, but I've been right for 20 years about a whole lot of things. And so I'm just telling people things could get a lot worse before they get better. And, uh, and I think people need to be reacting, but they need to react. Uh, the question about overreacting or underreacting, the word acting is the point. And that is, is it intelligent? Is what you're doing intelligent? If you don't know, and you probably don't know, then you need to access a resource so that you can know. And so your, your, your uh, website is wonderful for that. Um, I encourage people to, uh, to find a, a, a reasonable person, a reasonable person that can, you know, can, is not screaming. This is, you know, this is the end of everything. Everybody, you know, we're going to be eating our neighbors. And the next thing is, you know, oh, this is nothing but a cold and everybody, everything's all going to go away. Uh, I, I did a video the other day called the thing is not the thing. The thing has never been the thing. And so it would be completely stupid and silly in 1920 to sit there and say, why are there millions of people killing themselves in Europe? Just because this one guy got killed, the uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, that thing is not the thing. There was a million other things involved that caused the conflagration in World War One. Same thing going on with this virus. The virus is not the thing. The thing is that you have humans. Humans act predictably. They panic. They they are very much uh, driven by their news. And and if you don't know how they're going to act, then you're you're going to be surprised, shocked, saddened scared and all of those things. And that's really what we want to do away with. We want to educate people. This is the way people act and it's going to get worse. That's really what I can tell people. It's going to get worse. Uh, not the most dire thing you could possibly imagine, but if you've read post-apocalyptic books like mine, uh, the, very, very predictive of human behavior. That is, um, it's just just a, a really good word, you know, uh, for what what's going on right now. So I, I greatly appreciate that. I do have to say, I do love my toilet paper, though. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I do, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm, a, I'm prepared to do with that. It's a bunker principle, right? Yeah. I got toilet paper. 
that's a joke that that I always have here on the on the yeah. podcast. That uh, yeah, I, I don't want to do. Um, you know, because there's always the articles out there that uh, that say you can you can use corn cobs, you can use all the difference. And I'm like, come on, no, man, no, uh, no, no. Be a little bit better prepared, and you don't have to you don't have to hit that. But anyway, uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned your books. Uh, you mentioned off off grid uh, or surviving off off grid. Talk to us a little bit about because uh, I'm sure, man. There's there's a lot of people right now that are that have been introduced to you. And they, they love what you're saying. They, they identify with, with what you're saying. So talk to us a little bit more about your books, um, the other books other than Surviving Off-Off Grid. And I know that some of them are fictional, but you can talk to us a little bit uh, about them. And then here's the thing. A lot of people are hunkered down right now. Now's the time to, to if you're looking for a good book, now's the time to do it. So right. Share maybe um, one or two that might be interesting for people right now. Right. So yeah, you know, all of my books are available on Audible as well or on Kindle or you can get them on paperback. Uh, I started off a fiction series called, uh, the, the first book was called The Last Pilgrims, which I highly recommend. Now let me tell you, all of my books are crypto preparedness books. So there's tons of survival preparedness information, uh, wise philosophy, how to do things. Uh, the Last Pilgrims was the first one and it, was, it takes place 20 years after a global collapse that's unidentified. And then uh, so many people came to me after that book and they said, well, but what happened? Why, why, is, why did 90% of the people die? Why, why is this world the way that it is? And so then uh, I wrote a book with a good high school friend of mine named Chris Awalt called WIC, W-I-C-K, the WIC Omnibus. It is a big, if, if you need a book to read right now, this is the one to read. And it actually, it, it is a prequel to The Last Pilgrims. It's the first one fiction book of mine that I would recommend to people. It is highly survival oriented. There's a lot of great information in there about how to do things, uh, starting fires in the winter, staying warm, all kinds of uh, you know uh, uh, heat beds and all kinds of things that are in there. So, uh, and that book is like 700 pages, but it's uh, it's fascinating, and I think people will love it. And then I wrote a book called um, uh, Pennsylvania which is the one that's being made into a major motion picture uh, by Hollywood. And that is a book about an Amish uh, teenager who is traveling. And basically what I did is I paralleled the original Amish coming to America. So the Amish getting on a ship, they were landlocked people to come to the new world was very much like somebody getting on a spaceship. So we have an Amish teenager getting on a spaceship to go to another planet to colonize lands there in the middle of a, 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 a war that started on earth between the transport authority and the, the rebels. The transport authority is of course the personification of our system here where everything is re revolves around transport. Uh, public transport has been banned. A lot of the things that are going on right now are in this book. Uh, Hollywood loved it so much that uh, they're making a movie about the book. It's going to be a major motion picture with big stars in it. And uh, hopefully uh, they've pushed it a couple of months to start start of filming, but we're 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 anxious to get it uh, get it out there. There's so many things I've hidden in this book that you would never think that Hollywood put, would put it out, but uh, it's going to be great. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's start winding down this interview here. All right. There's been a lot of great a uh, great stuff, and man, I I can tell you right now, um, I know the feedback is going to be you know people want to want to hear you again, so you're going to have to come back. But anytime, <laughs> if if 
you were sitting face to face with with a, a listener right now. You had this opportunity to just sit and and you're face to face. You're maybe you're drinking some coffee or um, you're you know what you grow you you grow. What is it that you grow? That it's not coffee. What is it that you grow? Uh, you mesquite sell? beans. Mesquite, mesquite beans. And mesquite trees. Right. Okay, and you sell that. So when in, when it's in season, right? Right. Okay, right. okay. So let's say you're drinking your mesquite bean coffee, coffee. And, and, and you're sitting there with a, with a listener and you could tell them anything, the most important thing that you would say, what would you tell them right now? I, I would just tell them that you have to start thinking independently. You have to stop thinking like the mass man. The mass man moves like fish in a school. They react, they don't think, and you have to learn to think first and, and tell you there's one step, and that first step is, is, is the be, uh, ability to think and look at the system as it is, not as you want it to be. And so once you can do that, then you're really on the road to some level of independence, but until you can do that, trying to break off or trying to do things when you haven't learned to think properly is really, really going to be a hard road. And so that's the first thing I tell people when I do sit across from, uh, with a cup of mesquite coffee is I was like, this cup of mesquite coffee, <laughs> no one had thought about it since the Civil War, you know, but you, now we can, if, if, if coffee goes away, I've got coffee growing on my land, but they did it during the Civil War because they couldn't get coffee. That's, that's great stuff, man. <laughs> great, great stuff. I got I got to have to get some mesquite coffee when, when it's in season. Right. Um, so I know you, I know you're building your YouTube channel and uh, so you have a YouTube channel. I'm going to link to that YouTube channel and all the great stuff that you're doing. I'm going to try to link to your website and uh, to the books on Amazon, all that good stuff. Um, how can people connect with you if they want to connect? Well, there, uh, through YouTube, there's ways to comment uh, contact me there. You can always email me. My email is bunker 2k at hotmail.com. You can always, uh, uh, Facebook is where I really interact the most, but I'll just warn you. I am a, uh, my sense of humor and my, uh, what do you call it? Acerbic wit can be, uh, it's not for everybody. I'm very irony based meta, a lot of jokes, but I also tell people exactly what I'm thinking. So if you haven't been told to shut up and be quiet, then you may not want to get on my Facebook. My, my Facebook is easy to find. It's facebook.com forward slash off grid one word, and you'll find me. But I think most people are entertained at least. Yeah, no, it, you, you put out some good stuff and it's always funny when someone takes it wrong. Uh, you always put out that disclaimer a couple of times a year, like, Hey, just let me let you know uh, how <laughs> things are going. So everybody, people are going to want to go check out your Facebook page just for this, just for uh, that, yeah. all that, all that good stuff. All it's right, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, anything else you want to share before we, we sign off here? No, I just want to uh, pray that everybody's uh, safe, that you're thinking, that you're engaged. Uh, Prepper website, make sure that you're on there because there's so much good stuff on there. I appreciate you and uh, the relationship we've had all this time. And thank you for having me on. Anytime you want me on, just let me know. You got it, Michael. Thanks so much for coming on. Mm -hmm. God bless. God bless. Well, guys, I know that you agree with me when I said that this was going to be an awesome episode and I, it didn't disappoint. Michael shared a lot of great information and just things to get us thinking about how to be a little bit more self-reliant and he put it in such a great way. So uh, hey, big shout out to Michael and if you are not following him, if you are 
you are on Facebook, you know that I have that love-hate relationship with Facebook. But if you are on Facebook, go ahead and follow him. If you are on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to his channel. He's putting out a lot of great stuff. And uh, you, you don't want to miss what he's putting out there. And uh, it's not only just good information, but it's it's also entertainment, uh, entertaining to to see what's going on out there. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I love his humor and uh, the, the way that he comes across. So I, I think you will as well. So guys, that is going to be it for this episode. Like always, I'm going to link to uh, all the things that uh, we talked about. I'm going to link to uh, Amazon. I'm going to link to, to Michael's um, books on Amazon. I'm not going to be able to link to the individual books on the, the show notes, but I can link to them in the website or on the website. And so I make it really easy for you in the show notes. You just click the episode link and you'll go right to the website. And from there, you can bounce to Amazon and you can purchase his book. You'll help him out when you buy his book. And then you'll also be helping out Prepper Website and the podcast because you'll be going through our affiliate link. And so I highly recommend that. I'm going to be linking to his website. I'll link to YouTube and, and all that good stuff. So uh, you know, make sure that you, you click these links and uh, find out what Michael is doing and connect with him. And if you are listening to this for the very first time, you're listening to the Prepper Website Podcast, or you're maybe you know, you're, you're checking us out to see if we're worthy to be uh, you know, a regular podcast episode that you download. I hope that you find it worthy enough and that you will subscribe to our show. So make sure that you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app or head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and see which networks we are on. We're actually on all the different networks. And that way you'll never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, you should head on over to prepperwebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. Lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF of 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, or tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.